All right, as of 90 seconds ago, Title 42 is still in effect. For how much longer, we don't know. This Trump-era policy is making a horrific situation at the border somewhat, somewhat more manageable. The Biden administration is intent on getting rid of Title 42. They have gone to court. They really seem intent on destroying America, don't they? And they're rather proud of it and self-righteous about it. I want to be very clear here. Uh, the fact is that the removal of Title 42 does not mean the border is open. Uh, anyone who suggests otherwise is simply doing the work of these smugglers who, again, are spreading misinformation and which are which is very dangerous. It's very dangerous to talk truthfully about the situation at the border. These are people who engage in misinformation. So this afternoon, the Biden administration, they filed the paperwork formally stating that they want Title 42, yes, to go away. The government recognizes that the end of Title 42 orders will likely lead to disruption and a temporary increase in unlawful border crossings. The government in no way seeks to minimize the seriousness of that problem. Funny, she just did a moment ago. Next, please. But the solution to that immigration problem cannot be to extend indefinitely a public health measure that all now acknowledge has outlived its public health justification. Oh, yeah? The Democrat mayor in New York City just told me to mask up again. Title 42, it works. We should keep it. They're actively fighting it. That's crazy. And what about the, the messaging? Us, truth tellers, talking about the border situation realistically, somehow we're at fault. Take a look at this. Martha Raddatz sat down with Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. And um, look at her character. Listen to her characterization of, of what's happening right now. You talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard say it are you, our former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. It's pretty wild. She's saying that we should deny there's a problem. We can't talk about it. This, this is wannabe disinformation and misinformation, which the mainstream engages in all the time. And oh, by the way, you want to see an example of Joe Biden actually saying, yes, please come rush the border. Don't worry about it. Come on in. He did. It was his campaign promise that he's actually made good on. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. All right. Uh, everybody thinks they're oppressed. And everybody's coming. Thanks, Joe. This was Democrat messaging. That brought on the problem that we have right now. It's not our fault. Think about it. They have dismantled the border. They are aggressively moving to dismantle it even further, and they're blaming the truth tellers. With all that happening, what's the next crisis? What do they really want to talk about? Take a look. Yesterday was a criminal referral for insurrection. Today, it could be his taxes. Right now, another House committee is meeting behind closed doors, digging into the tax returns that Donald Trump spent years desperately trying to keep out of public view. The decision facing the Ways and Means Committee today has been years in the making, and it couldn't come at a worse time for Trump. 
They've been saying that for a long time, right? Oh boy, he's he's really he's really had it now. They're always wrong, and they'll be wrong on this tax issue as well. By the way, it's unconstitutional in my opinion. This is this is something the media should be fighting. There is no constitutional requirement for a president to turn over their personal tax returns. Look it up in the Constitution. It's actually <laughs> not many things you have to be legally. You can't find it in the Constitution that you have to turn over your tax returns. And when he ultimately does, if he does, if this is actually going to work out that way, uh, they may be disappointed, the Democrats, because uh, every now and then, the mainstream, they do get a glimpse at Donald Trump's tax returns, like Rachel Maddow did. A couple of years ago on live television, she was reading it for the first time and rather disappointed by what she found. What I have here uh, is a copy of Donald Trump's tax returns. We have his federal tax return for one year, for 2005. I believe this is the only set of the president's federal taxes that reporters have ever gotten a hold of. Uh, what we have are these two pages, front and back. Um, and in terms of what's on here, let me give you the basics. Um, aside from the numbers being large, uh, these pages are straightforward. He paid uh, $38 million, looks like $38 million in taxes. Uh, he took a big write-down of $103 million. More on that later. Uh, if you add up the lines for income, he made more than $150 million in that year. Mazel tov. So a billionaire is rich and getting richer. And that's what they're going to find out all over again. While our country is falling apart, why do they want that border wide open? Really? Why is the Biden administration fighting in court to revoke Title 42? Well, there are a couple of reasons you probably know them by now. They want the cheap labor. Uh, they want the votes. And these folks, when they get to America... I think they're going to be pliable. That's at least their thinking, that they'll want to kind of go with the flow, not cause too many waves, a controllable population. Those who come here illegally tend to hide, tend to avoid, and tend to not cause, well, they just don't want to be arrested. Whereas people who come here legally through that great big beautiful door and raise the right hand and say, we support American values, we want to be a part of this, well, these are the folks that we like in America. Of course we do. Uh, all right. So with all this going on, guess who's uh, back in the news? Jack Smith. Ring a bell? <laughs> what a, yikes. He's going to give me bad dreams. This is the special counsel that was appointed a couple of weeks ago to investigate Donald Trump. What do they want on him? Oh, yeah, the documents of Mar-a-Lago and January 6th stuff. Uh, before we get to the news item on him, quick review. His family has given money to Barack Obama. His wife is a documentarian who does I Love You movies about Michelle Obama. This is the guy, the impartial guy, and he also wears a purple tunic to work for some reason. Uh, this is the guy who's going to be independent and neutral when it comes to investigating Trump. And by the way, he was appointed in November. Where the hell is he? We've heard a lot of Jack Smith, but we haven't seen much of him. He has been in Europe. He's been recovering from a bike accident. My colleague Paula Reed is told, though, that he will be returning to the U.S. in early January. Part of what he wants to do is he wants to set up an office outside of the Justice Department, get these prosecutorial teams under one roof. <laughs> what an independent move. He's going to set up his office outside the Justice Department, maybe across the street. 
at the FBI, huh? How independent, you think real estate has anything to do with this? By the way, quick reminder, the FBI, we gotta move it. It's gotta be renamed, restaffed, and moved out of Washington, D.C. Right now, they've got a complex that's bigger than the White House, right in the middle of Congress and the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue. They think they're their own branch of government, and that's dangerous. It's actually a holdover, I believe, from J. Edgar Hoover, who seems his legacy is alive and well at the Bureau. J. Edgar Hoover, of course, abused his power, was an unethical man, cut corners big and small to achieve more power for himself and the Bureau. How little has changed. Jim Comey, wow. You know, I actually went through his book recently. He deliberately tried to sabotage the Trump administration and for now, it looks like he almost got away with it, although Donald Trump was able to accomplish some amazing things. Listen to this. I was very, very much about being in kind of a kind of a J. Edgar Hoover type situation. I didn't want him thinking that I was briefing him on this to sort of hang it over him in some way. Yeah, the dossier. I actually read his book, a portion of it today, Jim Comey. He relished the opportunity. Oh, boy. The FBI director, isn't he supposed to talk to the incoming president? He didn't until he had that salacious, phony dossier to tell him about. That's when he made the appointment. That and all that stuff about Russia interference, which was exaggerated and hyped beyond belief, all in an effort to sabotage an attempted sabotage of the administration. This is not a, a by-the-book guy. He actually admits it at times. He likes to get away with things. You look at this White House now, and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the sit room. How did that happen? I sent them. Um, um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, in the George W. Bush administration, for example, or the Obama administration. <laughs> in both of those administrations, there was process. And so if the FBI wanted to send agents into the White House itself to interview a senior official, you would work through the White House counsel, and there'd be discussions and approvals, and who would be there. And I thought, it's early enough. Let's just send a couple guys over. Just send a couple of guys. Cut corners. Maybe you can get away with it. And maybe you did. I don't think so. This sending the FBI to shake things up, to intimidate, to possibly coerce an organization into doing something overtly or subtly, that's a trick of the trade. It goes way back to J. Edgar Hoover. You know they pulled it on two Republican senators, Senator Johnson, Senator Grassley. They were making real progress in their Hunter Biden probe. They sent the FBI in to discredit that probe. The FBI showed up to brief these two gentlemen on Russia disinformation. It is now understood that that was an attempt to discredit the entire probe. If the FBI briefs them on such a matter, well, that means it must be happening, and that means it's leakable, and that means it's printable, which it is. The Washington Post wrote it, and they tried to discredit the entire probe of Hunter Biden that these senators were carrying out. But what is Trump saying about all this? You know, we don't hear from him as much. I think we will more after the holidays. Um, he's not on Twitter. I hope he goes back. But he is on True Social. And he has a lot to say about what we're learning about Twitter and the FBI. We've been covering it here on Newsmax. 
the FBI and the Twitter kind of in bed together trying to steer perhaps the 2020 and 2022 election. Take a look at this. Uh, he writes on Truth Social, files conclusively reveal that the FBI totally discredited the damning factual information from Hunter Biden's laptop from hell to top Twitter executives prior to the 2020 presidential election. Don't do this, they said. It is Russian disinformation. All spread the word to big tech and media companies. It was not a request, but a demand. Whether they believed it or not, they had an excuse not to use it against Biden, who would have lost millions of votes and the rigged and stolen election, his words. And that's true about the votes. A lot of people would have changed their vote had they known about this story, and it was censored. It was kept from them. Also, think of it. The radical left Democrats, communists, Donald Trump calls them, spied on my campaign, lied to the FISA court, lied to Congress, allowed an invasion of our country on the southern border, embarrassed us in Afghanistan, gave away our energy independence, killed us on job-losing regulations, wouldn't use the 10,000-plus soldiers I recommended for January 6th, refused to look into election fraud, the reason for the January 6th, rigged and stolen election, the 2020 election, allowed ballot stuffing, FBI, Facebook, Twitter, and Biden crime. All that from President Trump on Truth Social. And finally, on this January 6th, referring criminal charges to the Justice Department, this might be my favorite. These folks don't get it that when they come after me, people who love freedom rally around me. It strengthens me. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Americans know what I pushed for, the 20,000 troops to prevent violence on January 6th, and that I went on television and told everyone to go home. That's a fact. Yet they don't care about that. They care about creating a reality, both virtual and the one we see around us. They're not going to get away with it. It could be dark for a while. I don't know how it's all going to play out. And we got to get the president back on the show. It's been a while. I'll be right back. Folks, big news, for me at least, uh, but I hope it has a public impact. I wrote a book. It's called Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. Three big points here in detail. I think it's compelling. I hope you like reading it. Number one, I make the case against Barack Obama. He needlessly created essentially a race war in America to enhance his own power. And there are police officers who are not alive today had he not started this needless strife that's tearing us apart. Also, I wanted to tell the truth about January 6th. I wanted to talk about the grievous failures that happened in terms of security, to treat Ashley Babbitt with the respect that she deserves, and to call out the Democrats who have ruthlessly exploited this for their own purposes. And also in celebration of cops everywhere who refuse to be politicized, their job has always been tough, but the left wants to make it impossible. They love chaos. They want chaos to reign supreme. We can't let that happen. We can't let that win, them win. I hope you enjoy the book. It's available wherever books are sold starting January 10th, but you can pre-order now uh, with your local bookstore or on Amazon. Thank you very much. And speaking of January 6th, take a look at this. Never going to have to see Liz Cheney again on a January 6th committee uh, showcase. 
and that's great. They wrapped up yesterday. I guess their final report is coming out tomorrow. A couple of things that the fake news will never talk about, but I think needs to be addressed, okay? On the lighter side, Adam Kinzinger gets the award for Ultimate Drama Queen. These are some highlights or lowlights from the proceedings over the past two years. You remember this? Did you guys won. You guys help. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad, day, bad days. How we take accountability for uh, that. He really thought that this was going to make him into a United States senator, but it's making him into an ex-congressman. He's leaving office in about 10 days. Alleluia. Also, hearsay evidence. People sitting down saying what somebody said. That's hearsay evidence. It's usually inadmissible, but it was all about January 6th hearings. I remember him saying, all right, something to the effect of how much longer is, does the president have left in his speech? In my conversations with Mr. Hirschman, he had relayed that we would be foolish to include language that had been included at the president's request. Mr. Cipollone and I had a brief private aye, conversation. Aye, aye. And it was like this. Somebody said, said, I heard, I overheard, I thought, hearsay stuff that I thought was laugh out loud funny. Again, totally not to be taken seriously. Adam, I think, developed a special feelings, perhaps, for uh, Miss Cassidy Hutchinson. What do you think? Cassidy Hutchison will go down in history as a hero, and she never sought to. She's just a young woman telling the truth with more courage than the vast majority of men in politics today. Cassidy Hutchison, 25, 26 years old. Sarah Matthews, about the same age. Caroline Edwards, the Capitol Police officer, um, have more courage combined than probably every Republican man in the U.S. House of Representatives and Senate. I think some of the things that Cassidy Hutchison, who, by the way, is a brave American, you know, 25, 26 years old. Who cares? <laughs> what difference does it make? 25, 26, 27, 28. Uh, I think uh, maybe he has a thing for 25, 26. I don't know. I don't know. But it was very inappropriate. And here's something else that was inappropriate and weird. Former federal judge Ludig uh, sitting there mumbling, grumbling about Trump supporters, ordinary Trump supporters. By the way, this is what Trump derangement syndrome will do to you. <laughs> I mean, he used to be a fun, uh, happy-go-lucky guy, and now he thinks Trump supporters, actual voters, are a threat to democracy. Donald Trump and his allies and supporters are a clear and present danger to American democracy. It took him a long time to get out those horrible, disparaging words about half the country. The judge might as well call everybody deplorables. Um, and he was hailed, hailed by the media for this. There is, of course, the fake outrage from uh, yeah, Fanon and the others. I mean, they really laid it on thick, huh? The indifference shown to my colleagues is disgraceful. I think he's a fake hillbilly, by the way. And uh, ooh, what about all the injuries they sustained? Uh, they love talking about that.
The man in front of me grabbed my baton that I still held in my hands, and in my current state, I was unable to retain my weapon. He bashed me in the head and face with it, rupturing my lip and adding additional injury to my skull. I had been beaten unconscious and remained so for more than four minutes. At the hospital, doctors told me that I had suffered a heart attack, and I was later diagnosed with a concussion, a traumatic brain injury, and post-traumatic stress disorder. All right. I don't believe these guys, actually. Take a look at Officer Hodges nine days after January 6th. He looks fine. I had my tonsils out once, and I had complications. I had more difficulties. Fanone, nine days after January 6th, fit and ready for duty. I'm sorry. I think I'm being lied to. I think we are all over again. And how about this? You've heard of contempt of Congress, if you defy Congress. What about the contempt for Congress. Hard to believe that this man was able to keep his gun as a Capitol Hill police officer after he said this about members of the body he's supposed to protect. You got people right now in front of the Justice Department asking to release some of the very same people to be released, even though we are testifying about the trauma and the agony and everything that happened to us. It's pathetic, and they shouldn't be elected officials anymore. It's pathetic, huh? Well, he's talking about members of Congress. They were upset that the January Sixers were still in jail, and they went to protest, and he's saying, he's saying they don't belong in office. This is a Capitol Hill cop. Something is totally crazy. And there are a lot of lies from these guys. Sorry, big Harry Dunn. I don't believe him when he, well, played the race card. He's not telling the truth. Listen. A torrent of racial epithets. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo, No one had ever, ever called me a while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. And no one did that day. Security cameras, cell phone cameras, body cameras all over the place. And we only heard this from him, a partisan lunatic, in my opinion, who, when he wasn't testifying, had a front row seat. All the witnesses did, which is kind of bizarre. Uh, they went to watch everything else. Does anybody do that in a trial? I, I, I don't think that's appropriate. And there's Harry Dunn, who's crying. I, is this America? And one more thing, I'm sorry. These guys, it looks like they took advantage of the situation. I mean, Ganell, he's sitting between two women. And look at what he's doing with their hands. Uh, I, 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 this is odd to me. He's not married to them. And uh, you see the caressing going on? I, that This is wrong. And if I'm nitpicking, I'm sorry, but maybe they learned it from Joe Biden. Harry Dunn coming up behind Caroline Edwards, okay? Uh, this is, uh, is this okay because Joe Biden is president? I guess so. Giving the Capitol Police a congressional gold medal was one of the most offensive things I think I've ever seen. A woman was killed that day, and let's go through it. You can see it. Uh, number one, the little cop waving people on. What about that? Who is this police officer? Why don't we have that answer? The police officers who were just standing there as 
They walked on by. Welcome to the Capitol. And yes, the three officers who, for no apparent reason, walked off their post outside the House of Representatives, outside those chambers, to allow Ashley Babbitt to be shot and killed. There they go. And about 30 seconds later, uh, Lieutenant Byrd opens fire. And she's dead. And they get gold medals. And those officers they put up. Now, why are they doing this? I mean, what's going on here? When something doesn't make sense, often money is at work, okay? They all got book deals, okay? I didn't testify to get a book deal. I just wrote the damn thing. Yeah, I think this is odd, don't you? Um, and Caroline Edwards, another one who was cast, I believe, for reasons of optics, told us what a hero she is. Just ask her. That's when I got sprayed in the eyes as well. Um, I was taken to be decontaminated by another officer, um, but we didn't get the chance because we were then tear gassed. Well, uh, for that, for her troubles, she's the toast of the town. Here, there's an award. There's an award. She's speaking before Amy Klobuchar. She writes op-eds now for the New York Times. She has a fabulous life. And somehow, I'm sorry, responding to a riot was beneath these police officers. It's part of the job, at least in real police departments. The selective editing of the January 6th committee was um, offensive, outrageous. I mean, when a witness is testifying, it can go on for a long time. And of course, you have cross-examination. We had none of that. And they only gave us little snippets that worked to tell their story, the story the Democrats wanted told. Mr. Cipollone told us that he agreed with the testimony that there was no evidence of fraud sufficient to overturn the election. I want to start by asking if you agree, Mr. Cipollone, with the conclusions of Matt Morgan, Bill Barr, of all of the individuals who evaluate those claims that there is no evidence of election fraud sufficient to undermine the outcome in a particular state. Yes, I agree with that. Just a little snippet. Where's the rest? What happened before? What happened after? What about cross-examination? We can't handle that. They don't trust us. You know, the committee also made a big deal about Donald Trump. They said, he said to aides, I can't believe I lost to Biden. Therefore, he knows he lost to Biden? No. He said, I can't believe. I cannot believe. Can you believe I lost to this guy? That suggests that he's incredulous about it, that he doesn't believe it, and I think with good reason. Because I have grave doubts about the 2020 election. You're allowed to have them still in America. This is exculpatory evidence. Of course, they spun it in the worst way possible. When don't they? We'll be right back. All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And the worst of the worst when it comes to the fake news is Meet the Press. You know that show on uh, NBC News? We think it should be Meet the Swamp. Or maybe let's try Meet the Corrupt Swamp. Or maybe, better yet, Meet the... Yeah, the destruction of America. That's what the media are encouraging right now, the destruction of America, especially this crazy show. You know, with all the stuff that's going on, all the things that we're played with, uh, no border, corruption everywhere, we lost a war, everybody forgets about it. 
Uh, what do they ask on Meet the Press? Let me ask you a couple of political questions. Um, do you think the party, Democratic Party, should support Senator Kirsten Sinema's reelection bid in 2024? Uh, not only is it fake, it's boring. And then they bring in a rhino, Asa Hutchinson. Sorry, I'm not a fan. I, can I call him a rhino? Uh, come on, he's a bit of a rhino, right? A never-Trumper, at least it seems that way. And maybe you could say something productive, something useful, something insightful about January 6th. Listen to this. January 6th was a serious uh, affront to our democracy, and we have to treat that seriously, and we can't defend what happened on that day. And we stand up for the Constitution. And so I've always gone to those tough audiences, explain that, and guess what? They listen, and there's always some that disagree, but you, you've got to win in the marketplace of ideas. The marketplace of ideas, huh, Asa? Well, everybody in the fake news is saying what you just said about January 6th. How about something new and different on the market, right? That January 6th obviously was a setup. Did you see those cops letting people inside? Would it kill one of you guys to talk about Ashley Babbitt? What's the matter with you? Next on this horrible show, that's leading to the destruction of America. A big part of this financial fraud is how much, frankly, Sam Bankman-Fried, his executives, FTX, took advantage of political parties' hunger for campaign contributions and essentially used political donations to create the illusion of credibility for what many people think is a Ponzi scheme. I know probably where your head is on this, but my goodness, that's a huge vulnerability in our system, is it not? My goodness, the whole system is, is vulnerable, the whole system. Well, Sam Bankman-Fried was really working with Democrats, big time. Bill Clinton, Tony Blair on stage. Um, short pants, too, huh? Sam Bankman-Fried. Uh, how about with uh, Maxine Waters, uh, people like that? This guy was cultivating Democrats far more than Republicans, but... Um, What's his name? Chuck Todd asks like, acts like it's a suspicious weather pattern that's just engulfed everything. This guy was playing footsie with the Democrats. Let's be real. I also want to talk about Mary Trump for a moment. She is the niece of Donald Trump, and she's the all-star of MSNBC because she's a member of the Trump family who rags on Trump. Donald has been showing his stripes since the early 70s. What he did in the 80s with the Central Park Five was so vile that he should never have been allowed in polite society after that. He's utterly incapable of leading this country. And it's dangerous to allow him to do so. He's somebody who's directly responsible for hundreds of thousands of Americans death, American deaths. He's somebody who's directly responsible for the kidnapping and incarceration in concentration camps of children. He's somebody who was willing and continues to be uh, willing. All right, we get the point. It goes on and on like this. I didn't know it went on that long. Well, you can see why she's a hit over there at MSNBC. Uh, I knew she was a total fraud and a phony when she said that she was told that as a six-year-old child that Donald Trump cheated on his SAT. I've done some things in my life that I'm not that proud of. My niece does not know about any of those things, okay? I don't believe this situation, but I didn't ignore it. 
when she wrote this phony baloney book designed to hurt Trump in the middle of the 2020 campaign. She doesn't even have a picture of herself with her uncle Donald Trump. I knew it was a fake, but I didn't ignore it. You see, the fake news, they ignore all news that they don't like. They just ignore it. We confront it. I read the book and I debunked it page by page, actually. There I am two years ago, actually, on in this very room, uh, tearing the junk out of that book. And um, I'm proud of that, actually. We don't ignore news that may not be favorable to our side. They do. It's a big difference. I'll be right back. Ah, that hideously biased January 6th committee. At least we won't be seeing these characters uh, much over the next two years, at least. Yikes, so bad, so biased. Uh, essentially, the system was corrupt. And there are a lot of people that needed attention and didn't get it. One of them is, uh, well, Ashley Babbitt, of course, and also Matthew Perna. Take a look at this. He, boy, they charged him left and right. He pleaded guilty. And the pressure got to him. He ended his own life. Now, Congressman Louis Gohmert has been in touch with the family, Republican of Texas, House Judiciary Committee member, and has uh, a very interesting uh, piece of legislation um, referencing all this. First of all, Congressman, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Thank you. Doing well, as far as I know. But great to be with you for sure. And, sir, tell us a little bit about Matthew Perna and what you hope to accomplish here. Well, he was a guy that graduated uh, the top of his class in Penn State. Uh, he liked to travel to other countries and teach. He was a gentle soul. He liked Bernie Sanders. Uh, but then he liked uh, the message of uh, Donald Trump better. And he went to the Capitol on January 6th. He was a peaceful man, was peaceful his entire life. Um, and loved his country. And uh, he went into the Capitol without anybody trying to obstruct his entrance. He did nothing violent. He never has. And yet, uh, he was a target by the FBI's shock and awe campaign in which they used Gestapo tactics. And I don't use that term um, Molly, it's true. Read the tactics of the Gestapo. They bust into people's home late at night. They intimidate, drag them out uh, in their underwear. Don't let them, you know, put on clothes. Alert the media in, in advance so that uh, everybody gets upset and, and just vilify. Mm -hmm. And they vilified the sweet, poor guy and he was he pled guilty, although uh, basically he didn't do uh, more. His most serious crime was obstructing an official session of Congress, according to the FBI and the DOJ. Mm. Uh, just like, uh, in my opinion, the Democrats, most of the Democrats in the House of Representatives, as they obstructed an official session of Congress, would not allow us to go into. Congress, but unlike the five or six hours that uh, we were obstructed, according to the DOJ on January 6th, Democrats obstructed 25 to 26 hours in which they would not let us go into session. Hmm. Uh, 
I didn't realize at the time, but according to the Democrats, that's an insurrection. That's treasonous, according to them. Um, they're describing their own actions when they describe the actions of gentle people like Matthew Perna. But he, he pled guilty, let's just get this behind us. And when he got to court for his sentencing, the prosecutor said, no, 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 we, we need to pursue a more serious crime. This guy needs to go for a long time to prison. Uh, so demanded a, a continuance. So and they you know what, sir, we're looking at pictures of him. And yeah, there's no evidence of him breaking anything or hurting anyone. These guys, they've gotten totally carried away, these prosecutors. The Matthew Perna Act of 2022, my understanding, it will ban the detention for nonviolent political prisoners. Great idea. Ensures speedy trials for nonviolent political protesters and provides remedies for malicious overprosecution. Very timely. What's the status of, of this? It's a great idea. Well, the Democrats aren't going to allow it to come to the floor uh, before January 3rd. But it was important to file it to get that marker down so that when we the Republicans have the majority after January 3rd, this should be pushed. But it also gives the defendant a chance to be yeah. tried in his or her home district. Congressman Louis Gomer, thank you. This is great legislation. Let's stay in touch on this and a host of other matters. We appreciate it. Our best to the Perna family. We know they've gone thank through a lot. Thank you, sir. Family appreciates it. You bet. We'll be right back. So what the heck has happened to the FBI? Once admired, no longer deserving of our admiration. I'm sorry that Elvis Chan, the special agent in charge in San Francisco, telling Twitter to investigate and maybe even remove ordinary Americans from the platform, people who were not Russians. They were routinely sending over the accounts of uh, users that, well, look, the RSBN network, they're good people over there. What is the FBI thinking? How could they do it? What does it mean for the Federal Bureau of Investigation? Could they get away with it? Because quite frankly, the media, uh, for the most part, aren't talking about it. We thought we'd bring in one of our favorites, Terry Turchi former FBI Deputy Assistant Director. He was at the Bureau for nearly 30 years, from 1972 to 2001, uh, a world-class expert in these matters. Uh, sir, welcome back to Newsmax, first of all. How are you? Greg, I'm fine. How are you? And uh, thank you for having me on. You bet. Sir, um, this seems radically different from the FBI that you served in, but you served in it, not me. So tell me what you make of everything we're learning about Twitter, the FBI, social media, big tech, and the FBI doing what they've been doing. Well, this is historic, Greg, and you're right. They should be having this all over the media because Russia Trump was phony and fake. Uh, we've been through a lot of things in the past uh, few years that are equally phony and fake. This is real. And people need to realize this is not just about the word disinformation which uh, the so-called experts like to throw around. It appears to me, and it appears to a lot of my colleagues, that the FBI here was actually engaged in its own brand of active measures campaign. And what that means is they were literally subverting, in this instance, our election, 
and our, our very political system. These are the things the FBI is supposed to protect. But there is no way all, all of the indicators and all of the tactical moves the FBI made indicate this is not an intelligence operation. This is the FBI running a hostile operation against Americans. We've never had that happen. And uh, people have to pay for it. It, it is absolutely outrageous. And uh, there are many former agents, certainly, who are uh, desirous of speaking out, who are sending tonight as we speak um, uh, communications to each other and emails, and, and they're really scratching their head and wondering what you posed as a question. What in the world has happened at the FBI? Well, here's what's happened. The answer is very easy. The FBI has become politically neutralized and compromised by the Democratic Party. And that's the truth. That's the way it is. And Americans have to wake up to figure out how we're going to handle this. This is disastrous. It's great to hear your passion, but it's just us. It's amazing. The story isn't even trending on Twitter. Musk can't bring attention to it. It's evaporating. I know there are good members of Congress, Jim Jordan and some others. I just don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. And uh, Jim Comey himself and all these guys, I mean, Ray, isn't it true? You joined the Bureau in 72. Isn't this the kind of thing that the Nixon administration was maybe asking them to do? I mean, let's, I love Nixon, but he was asking the Bureau to do stuff and getting the CIA to tell the Bureau. And the Bureau is like, no, this is political. We're not doing that. That's the way it you should know that be. Exactly. You have that exactly right. Many people don't know that little detail, and that is exactly right. And, and the FBI, even during the Clinton days, if you go back to then, uh, really sidestepped and uh, made public the mess involving the entire campaign contribution issue, which, of course, involved China. And that goes back to the Clinton days. But the FBI skillfully stayed out of that. So uh, I think we're, uh, we're on a very slippery slope, but I have a colleague who uh, retired about, well, a few years after uh -huh. I did. And I think he put it uh, in, in a way that people might think about. Uh, as, the, uh, as the FBI goes, the country goes. And uh, I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. If, the, if we don't get some sort of a, yeah. uh, of a focus on this and get people riled up to get yeah. to the bottom of this, America is in trouble. All right. I'll do my best because it deserves a lot of attention. Uh, You're doing well. Thank you, Terry. Terry Churchy, uh, veteran of the FBI, and check out TKAssociatesLLC.com. Thank you, sir, and we'll be right back. Thank you very much, and we'll see you tomorrow night. All the best.